Amen. Good morning. It's so good to see you. I, uh, I actually love you people quite a bit. And uh, I'm excited to see you this morning. What a, what a joy it is to be together as family in God's house together. You know, this uh, season has been pretty difficult. I don't know how much you've felt that. I don't know if you've lost a loved one because of COVID-19 or if you've been affected. Maybe you've had the, the illness itself or maybe someone at work or in your family has been affected by this illness. Or maybe just uh, the periphery of this illness has hurt you. Maybe the isolation has been difficult. Uh, the lack of connectedness to each other has been difficult. I don't, I don't know what has been difficult for you in the last five or six months, but this has not been an easy season, has it? You know, I, I uh, saw some statistics recently that uh, they've kind of weighed on my heart. I want to share some of them with you. This is from Pew Research. Uh, they said recently that during this time, only one-third of regular church attenders have gone back to, gone back to in-person worship, 30%. We are a little higher than that, praise God. We're probably today, I don't know, I would say maybe 40% or 50% even, or maybe even a little more than 50% of what our normal room looks like uh, when it's not in COVID. So uh, praise God that we're a little higher than that average, but it still saddens my heart because 50% of us are maybe still watching from home or not even engaged with us at all. And that, and that saddens me. Though we love the people that are still distancing and watching from home, and we know they have a reason for that, and we know that the Lord will bring them back when they feel safe to come, Lord willing. Another statistic, 50% have watched online. Only 50% have watched online. That breaks my heart. 40% have only, have, uh, only 40% have watched their home church online. Some of you go, wait, why does that break your like, what is, what's, why does that hurt your heart? Because it means potentially 60% are in isolation from the body of Christ. Because potentially 60% are drifting from a relationship with the Lord. Not necessarily everyone, but potentially. But only 40% have watched their home church, according to this survey. 30% have watched their services and other services online. And almost 30%, almost a third of church attenders have only watched other church services. Which shows me that you're not very connected in your own local church if you're only watching everybody else's service. You should maybe go there. For many churches, offerings have declined and this has been a difficult time, just as businesses and restaurants have had a difficult season. They say 40% of churches may not have the, the offerings or the savings to endure another three months. And they're saying at least 20% of churches will not make it through COVID. That's a sad statistic. Because we're already losing uh, currently seven to 10,000 churches a year in the United States. And so for those of us that are, that are still going and still, still growing, the fact that 20% may uh, close as a result of this pandemic breaks my heart. There is some good news in this research. Uh, according to this study, 24% of all U.S. Christians say that they've grown spiritually in this pandemic, 24. 42% of evangelicals say that their faith has grown in this pandemic. That's a good thing. And here's where I want us to talk about today. 
God uses pandemics for his glory. God uses suffering for his glory. He uses illness, he uses broken hearts, he uses devastation, broken relationships. He uses it for his glory. You know, a little over a month ago, my family, we were in, uh, uh, on vacation. And when I'm on, vac- when I'm on vacation, my, my mind has a chance to rest a little bit. But really all that means is that other things come to my mind, right? And I find myself just praying a lot more. I ended up praying for our church a lot over vacation, praying for you. And the Lord laid a message on my heart that, that I'm speaking today. And the name that the Lord laid on my heart, I felt, was the church in crisis. But as soon as I could even, I, I didn't even voice it, as soon as my mind formed the, the, the words, the church in crisis, it was like the Holy Spirit corrected my heart. It was like God said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't your church. This is not your church, this is my church. And guess what? My church will never be in crisis, right? And so the Lord tweaked my heart and redirected me and I realized what he was saying is, no, this is the church in Christ-likeness. Because he uses suffering to change us from who we are to who he wants us to be, right? That's what he's doing. Jesus said, Elvis referenced it this morning, uh, Matthew 16, 18, on this rock. Remember what the rock is he's talking about? He's talking about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. That the gospel of Jesus is the rock. It is the foundation of the gospel, right? And he says, on you knowing that I'm Messiah, on you knowing that the gospel is, is everything, on your, the fact that you know that, I'm going to build my church on that fact, on the gospel. And he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He reminded me, not only is it not my church, it's his church. He reminded me that he uses suffering for his glory. He uses difficulty for his purposes. And if we allow him to, he'll use those things to grow us into his image. Right? Not always fun. <laughs> He reminded me that the church of Jesus around the world somehow seems to prosper, grow, be benefited as a result of persecution, not in spite of it or or, or without it, but during persecution, during difficulty, during suffering, it seems the church seems to do better. It seems to grow. We see that around the world. He reminded me that he builds his church and that this pandemic or anything else that is a suffering situation in your life. It can be a blessing if you allow it to be and not a curse. How many of you today would be, just honest moment, real quick here, honest. I am weary, I'm tired, and I need some hope. How many of you would say that today? Be honest with me. Listen, my prayer, thank you, my prayer for you, and we all need it, is that you leave today knowing that we have that hope His name is Jesus, right? And he gives us that hope. Not by what we feel and not by the junk that we're walking through, but because he is good and he loves us and he uses brokenness for his glory. And as we look in his word today, we're gonna know that truth today. I believe it. The church is not in crisis, but instead it's in a process of growing in Christ likeness. And friends, can I be honest with you? That never happens apart from suffering. I want to say that again. (laughs) It's a hard thing to hear. 
It's a hard thing to walk through, but Christ-likeness never happens in your life apart from suffering. It never does. He always uses suffering for his glory. Pray with me as we get into this message this morning. Father, how good you are. You love us so much. God, you are so kind and so good. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house with our family today. Lord, we thank you for the incredible privilege to be in your word, to learn from it, to benefit from it, to be given the hope that we need. And many of us have raised our hands in our hearts today and said, we need it today. God, thank you. Thank you so much for that hope that you give. Lord, I pray that today you would help us to look into your word. We would learn from it, that your Holy Spirit would lead us to the truth you want us to see. You'd give us the courage to live it and believe it. God, my heart and my prayer is that you would increase today and that I would decrease and that you would receive glory from all that we do today in Jesus' precious name. And God's people said, amen. All right, three things I want to talk about today about suffering, okay? First one is this. There is a purpose in suffering, right? There is a purpose in suffering. And some of you are going, I'd like to hear that and I'd like to see that. Well, just give me a minute. We're going to get into it. There's a purpose in suffering. The second thing is this. As believers in Jesus, we need to have the right posture during our suffering. We have a choice. You, you don't have to walk in the right posture. You don't have to live in the right posture. You get that choice. But if you want your faith in Jesus to grow, you have to have the right posture. And when you have the right posture through suffering, God will be, this is the third thing, he will progress your faith in Christ likeness. Okay? There's a purpose in suffering. Look with me in 1 Peter 4.12. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 1 Peter is a book written to people suffering. It's written to a people struggling. Friends, this season has been a season, whether you know it or not, it's been a season of testing. Right? Peter's saying, hey, listen, don't be surprised by the test. I love the way he puts it. Don't be surprised as if it's something strange that were happen, happening to you, Right? In other words, I've told you you're going to face suffering. Jesus himself said, I suffered, you're going to suffer. No secret here. Suffering is going to be in each of our lives. We're all going to face suffering. Don't be surprised by it and don't think it's something weird because we've told you it's going to happen, right? This has been a season of testing for us. So let me ask you a couple of test questions, can I? And I think you'll know the answer in your own heart as I ask you these questions. Here's the first one. Has this season drawn you closer to Jesus or have you allowed your relationship to Jesus to drift, to test? And you and your spirit probably right now know the answer to that question. Here's another question. Has this season deepened your dependence upon God or has it caused you to desire more independence from God? It's a test. How are you doing on the test? Be honest. 
with your soul, with your heart, with the Lord. How you doing? And how does your answer to those questions reveal where you stand with Jesus? See, God always uses suffering in our relationship with him. And he uses it as testing. Look at Isaiah 48.10 where he says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. This is how God grows our relationship with him. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now I want you to look, those first three verses are basically the gospel of Jesus, right? He is our living hope. His death and resurrection, it's our living hope. We have salvation in Jesus and he holds it in heaven for us, right? He guards us. This is the gospel of Jesus. And it's important we understand that in verse six. Look at verse six with me where he says, in this, speaking of that whole three verses, that gospel, in this, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have the first half, which is the gospel, and then, and then uh, Peter says, it's in the gospel. It's in what we understand as the gospel and what Jesus has done for us, that while we go through suffering, we apply the gospel to our lives, right? That's what he's saying. So we don't walk through suffering just willy-nilly. Oh, can you believe this COVID-19 joke? Oh, I'm tired of it. Man, I've been guilty of that. I don't know about you. Oh, I can't believe this illness I'm facing. I can't believe this mourning I'm going through. I can't believe all these things that I'm dealing with, this suffering. We apply the hope of the gospel to the suffering in our lives, right? And, and I love he says, though now for a little while if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness. In other words, our faith will be made genuine through suffering, through the fire of suffering through the pain and issues we walk through that are difficult. Our faith is, is made genuine because of the fire. And it's after we make it through the suffering that we can, our lives can give glory to God, that our lives can, can bring glory to God. And it even says in that text that Jesus reveals himself to us through it. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. Do you? I want to see him. I want to know him. I want to understand him. But I can't. If I don't walk through suffering, it's in suffering that he reveals himself to us because he suffered. Christ suffered, and any time we suffer, and, and listen, some of you have gone through different, there's different sufferings. <laughs> we were talking, my wife and I, yesterday about some suffering, some struggle that we've been walking through. It's not COVID-related, <laughs> just life-related. Some of you struggled because of COVID. Some of you struggle, struggle because loss of a job or a loss of income or a loss of relationship or, or you're mourning the death of a loved one. 
It doesn't matter the suffering. (laughs) Any suffering we ever walk through should draw us closer to Jesus. As he has suffered, and when we suffer, now all of a sudden we have a kindredness in our suffering. He brings us closer to him, and because of that we can have joy and we can understand him more because he suffered. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 6. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, right? So what I want to show you in this text is that suffering has been allowed by God. Did God cause COVID-19? Did God cause the suffering you're going through? I don't believe so, but I do believe he allowed it. I believe God allows things. I believe God is sovereign and in control. And as we look at this text, we see that he says, hey, at the, at the proper time, after you've suffered a little bit. In other words, I'm in control of time and I'm in control of your suffering, right? God is in control. So we need to understand he's got it covered. It's all in his hands. It's all under his purview. He has allowed it because there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose, but we also have a responsibility. This is what I want you to see this morning. There's a purpose in suffering, but you have a choice. You know the old saying that says, you can get bitter or you can get better. Well, it's kind of the true statement in suffering. I can choose to surrender to God. Even as this text says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. That's saying, Lord, I I submit to the fact that you are mighty, that you are sovereign, that you have allowed this suffering in my life, so I submit to it. I come under it. Or you can go, really, God? You can ball your fist. You can turn your back. You can walk away. It's your choice. But your choice in walking away from God or bawling your fist at him or cursing his name will not grow your relationship in Jesus, right? Bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. But our God is good, and if we will humble ourselves, therefore, under his mighty hand, he will not only show us the purpose in suffering, it will be us placing ourselves in the right posture through suffering. Look at this text again. I want to break it down just a moment. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. I want you to see basically how Peter lays out what our posture should be. He says the first thing, humble yourselves. When we humble ourselves, we're going, God, you're in control and I'm not. You've allowed this and I accept it. This is under your mighty hand. I'm not going to fight your mighty hand. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to humble myself under this suffering under this moment that I don't like, that is not comfortable, but I submit, I surrender. That's humbling yourself. Then he says, cast your cares 
upon me because I care for you. Listen, God knows that we're only dust. He knows that we're just humans. He loves us, and he knows that in the suffering, we're struggling. And that many of you raised your hand and said, I'm weary and I need hope. He knows that in your heart. And therefore, he just says, come to me. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. God loves you, and he loves you right in the middle of the brokenness that you're walking through. Right in the middle of the heartache, right in the middle of the tears, right in the middle of the pain. He loves you. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Then he says, be sober-minded. Be vigilant, be watchful. Now what's sad is what I've seen in many of our lives is we've done the opposite in this season of COVID, right? We said, oh, look at all this isolation and free time. I think I'll be lazy and apathetic, not watchful, vigilant, sober-minded. I've seen many friends who, who struggle with, with different addictions fall off the wagon, return to their addiction instead of grow in their relationship with Jesus because of the isolation. It's been one of the Uh, the things that the enemy has used in this season. But Peter says, no, no, no. Don't get lazy. Don't get apathetic. Don't just throw things away. Be watchful. Be mindful. Be sober. Be vigilant. And then he says, why? Why why do we need to do those things? Let me me show you. Because uh, he says, resist the devil. So be mindful and then resist the devil who seeks to devour you like a roaring lion. I've used this example before, but you know, you ever watch the Nat Geo thing, channel or whatever, and it's always the gazelle that's gotten lost from the herd that, gets, that, that bites it, right? It's always the one with the limp that can't keep up with the rest of the crew that ends up getting eaten by the alligator or the lion. It's the same in your life. This is the crew. This is the herd. And in the body of Christ, there's protection. There is fellowship. There is connection, there is, there is uh, accountability, love, encouragement. We can love one another, we can weep with one another, we'll be family together. But as soon as you go through COVID or whatever season of suffering, you go, you know what, I don't need that church. I don't need those people. Because guess what, we will screw up. We will make mistakes. We will do things that, that, are, that are not great because we're human beings. And it allows us an opportunity to practice forgiveness and grace in the relationship of family. Some people say, I don't need that church. And then a little bit later they go, I don't need that God. That's that's the progression. So Peter says, be sober. Resist the devil who wants to devour you. You remember the story. I couldn't help but think about the story of Jesus when Satan asked Jesus permission to sift Peter like wheat. You remember that story in scripture, some of you? (laughs) That is a scary story. The idea that Satan literally comes to Jesus and says, I want to sift Peter like wheat. I want to crush him. I want to do bad things in his life. It's scary, but you know what's comforting? Is that Satan always has to ask permission of God to do anything in your life. He always has to ask permission. God is sovereign. He's allowed suffering in our lives. Here's the next thing that I want you to see Peter saying uh, for our posture during suffering. Be firm in your faith. What does that mean? Be firm. It means know what you believe and live it. 
Those two are two sides of, of one coin. See, there's a lot of people that believe something, but they don't live it. That doesn't do any good, right? Know what you believe and then live it. Let it be consistent of your life. Let your life show what you believe. And then he says this. He says, you know what? You're not alone. Others around the world are suffering just like you. How many times in this season, the last six months, have you prayed for our brothers and sisters around the world dealing with COVID? You think we've had a hard time? You think it's been hard for us because we didn't get to go to the office? <laughs> right? You think it's been hard on us? We, we still had our internet. Most of us still had our jobs and incomes. And, and it's been sort of an extended vacation for some people. Can you imagine being in a third world country where you just see people falling off and dying because they can't distance or they don't have the medical knowledge to know what's going on? Have we prayed for our brothers and sisters around the world? Because Peter says, you're not alone. You're not isolated. There are people everywhere who are going through what you're going through. You know, this made me think of the persecuted church around the world. How often do we pray for brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith? Let me ask you this question. Do you know where the fastest growing church in the world is right now? Where people are coming to know Jesus and where they are being baptized and gathering and Jesus is making himself known to people and it's growing. Do you know where that is? Iran. Yeah, that Iran. The, the number one state sponsor of terror. They say that right now there are about a million Christ followers in Iran who love Jesus and who are loving and sympathetic to Israel, praying for Israel. I mean, try to wrap your brain around that. See, let me tell you what they face that we don't. There are no church buildings in Iran, not one. There, there are, uh, it's all underground. Every believer was a former Muslim. And when you leave Islam to become a Christian, you're basically laying your life on the line to say, you can kill me, but I'm standing for Jesus. Have we prayed for them? They're, they're growing at a rate of 20%. So that means in five years, they will double. Five years, they'll have two million. In 10 years, they'll have four million. God is doing something amazing in Iran. In China, the, the underground church has been growing because of persecution for years. 30 years ago, there were 8 million believers in China. Today, there are 97 million believers in China. Praise God. They're, they're still growing at a rate of 10%. One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, has this phrase that you might have heard before that says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. What that means is when people die for Jesus, when people stand up in persecution and give their lives for the cause of Christ, it is like seeds going into the ground that causes the church to grow. God uses persecution. God uses martyrdom. He uses suffering and difficulty in the lives of Christians to grow us into the image of Jesus. 1 Peter 5.10 again says, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Have you been suffering? 
Are you struggling with something? Are you, are you questioning? Do you have an issue that you're working through that's been hard? Can I tell you then, let me tell you what Jesus himself wants to do in your life. He wants to make you like new. He wants to restore you. Let me tell you what Jesus himself wants to do in your life. He wants to confirm your faith, your identity in Christ. That's what he wants to do. Let me tell you what Jesus himself wants to do through your suffering as you've endured this season. He wants to strengthen your faith. And lastly, he wants to cause roots to go down in the ground for you to be established in who you are in Christ. And he does it himself. But only if we have the right posture. Only if we humble ourselves and say, Lord, work in my life in the middle of the season. James gives us an idea of how to have the right posture. James 1, 2 and 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, there's an expectation of knowledge here, right? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, Lacking in nothing. James says, listen, you guys know this. Remember, James is speaking to a scattered body. He's speaking to people who are afraid for their lives as they ran out of Jerusalem because they were being martyred. They were being killed. They were being persecuted. And so James writes this, story, this letter to them, and he says right out of the chute, verse 1, count it all joy when you face trials and suffering you know, he says, you know, there's an expectation of understanding that God uses suffering in our relationship with Jesus. And, and James says, when it's worked its full effect in you, man, you're going to be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Because God uses suffering. He has a purpose if we have the right posture in the middle of it. Our posture is one of submission, under we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's one of trust. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I'm not happy, God, but I have joy. I'm not happy. This is not fun for me in this moment, but I have joy. Because I know you use suffering to grow us into the image of Jesus. Isn't, isn't that Jesus' posture? Let me remind you of Jesus' posture in suffering. Hebrews 12, the writer says in verse 1b, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, this faith that we're living, this suffering we're in the middle of, this season we're walking through right now, it's set before us. Let us run this race with endurance. In other words, holding on, having strength, looking to Jesus. He's going to be our model the founder, and he's the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was Jesus' joy? Remember Jesus' prayer in the garden? Lord, if it's possible that this pass from me, let it pass from me. But not my will yours. How did Jesus endure the cross for the joy set before him. What was his joy? His joy is you. His joy is his church. His joy is the fact that he would give his life as a sacrifice for ungodly, unworthy people like me and like you. And that that sacrifice would bring us to him in salvation. And knowing that made him have joy 
Was he having joy in those nails? No. Was there joy in the pain? Was there joy in that moment? Not necessarily. There was joy set before him so that he could endure the cross. Friends, we learn from Jesus. In other words, we go through our difficult moment. We go through what is hard for us. We go through suffering for us. Not because it's fun in the moment. Not because we're happy in the moment, but because we know that there's a purpose in suffering and in the right posture, God will change us and at some point, things are gonna be different, right? God's gonna do something amazing in us as a result of his process of suffering. So we've got the purpose in suffering, our posture in suffering, and hopefully it's gonna show us that we're making progress in our faith through the suffering. Here's our last point. Romans 5, 3 says, we rejoice in our sufferings. How many of you said, Lord, I rejoice in COVID-19? Cricket, cricket. I rejoice in losing my job. I rejoice in this broken relationship. I rejoice in this illness. I rejoice in this morning. It's not natural, is it? And yet Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Watch. Knowing. Because we know suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We rejoice. That's why. We have joy. That's why. Because God is using it if we'll allow him to. God has a purpose in our suffering, so our posture should be one of trust and surrender. And ultimately, we know as a result of it, we're going to grow through it. He's making us more like Jesus as a result of it. That's true for you individually. It's true for us as a church. The church of Jesus is not in crisis. The church of Jesus is being purified. It's being sanctified this is a process he's using right now in an amazing way. This is the church in Christ likeness. This is who we are. Our progress should make us more like Christ. I want to give you one last verse before we close. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What is that image? What's the same image that we're all being transformed into? From one degree to another, that's Jesus. God is working in our lives through brokenness, through difficulty, through the right posture, through humility, through the progress in our lives to make us more like Christ. Some of you this, this morning, you say, well listen, I got a problem here. I understand what you're saying about the purpose thing, but I've not had the right posture. I've really made some serious mistakes in this season. I mean, I have not, I have not trusted God. I've not, surely not rejoiced in this. What do I do, right? Can I, can I remind you of the gospel of Jesus that there's always forgiveness. There's always hope. There's always an opportunity for you to change your posture, for you to repent 
before the holy God with the mighty hand for you to humble yourself and say, God, I messed this up and I need you to forgive me and help me. I humble myself. Some of you need to do that today. If you're even watching, you might need to do that right where you sit, right where you stand. God always has forgiveness. He always has hope. Can I just remind us as we close, listen, God is in control. He's in control. But he's allowed this season and he has a purpose for it. So what is your posture? What will your posture be as you leave today? Will you still walk out with heaviness, maybe? But hopefully not hopelessness. My prayer is that today you hear the word of God, you hear the the hope that we can have in Jesus, that he pours into our hearts. And that it strengthens us and we make progress in our faith. May we have the right posture as we walk through broken moments, as we walk through suffering. God, use these things that are out of our control to make us more like Jesus. Make us a church in Christ-likeness. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the privilege to be with your people. Thank you for the privilege, God, to, to hear your word and to understand it and to be given hope and strength and peace so that no matter what's going on, if this message somehow were to get to, get to, to Iran, if this message somehow were able to, to be transported to those believers who, who may have to lay down their lives to stand for you, God, I pray that they would be filled with hope. God, as American Christians today who don't face that same difficulty, yet we face our own brokenness and we face our own suffering and we face our own struggle, may we be filled with hope. God, may we understand that in every moment you've allowed, because you're in control of suffering in our lives, you want to you do something with it. You never waste a tear. You never waste a scar. You never waste a broken moment, God. You want to use it. There's a purpose in our suffering. May our posture be to to trust you, to love you, to surrender our lives to you. And may you grow our faith as a result. We pray it in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen.